Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. incredibly excited to be joined here today by Kim Till, all the way from LA. Kim is an Asian Australian who is currently the CEO and co-founder of Misty Arm, and she joins us today to share her experience as a trailblazer in the startup world. Kim, so good to see you. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. No, thank you. It's Welcome honestly such a... I don't know, I'm a little bit starstruck. I feel like I've been following Misty Arm for a really long time now, and I feel like seeing all, you know, the trajectory and like the rise of it and the success of it, especially during COVID, um, was just amazing. And I think to see you as a young Asian woman as well, like that's just the icing on the cake. Um, but, you know. <laughs> I don't feel like a star. I don't feel like a star at all, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you very much are. Um, but, you know, just to kind of, you know, go back to basics, you know, tell us about your career journey and, you know, how the idea for Mr. Yum came to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I might wind back the clock a little bit because I feel like context is always nice. Um, born in Singapore, moved to Perth when I was 10, did most of my high school at an international school in Singapore. So I went to the Australian school, uh, moved to Melbourne after year 12 um, and pretty much lived in Melbourne for, for most of my years after that. I um, lived in Sydney for a year as well and, and Brisbane for three or four years. Uh, during the time but yeah Melbourne is still home for me absolutely uh, I actually started my career in the most academic um, kind of job you could do which is an investment bank and um, <laughs> you know typical so went to Monash studied economics and science um, came out with a double degree worked in investment banking uh, actually did an internship at at Deloitte where you are, mm. um, Jeffrey. And so, yeah, like a really kind of normal start to my, my career. And mm. always knew that my, my parents are business people and I guess always knew that I wanted to do something of my own one day. But uh, my early days in corporate, early days in consulting. So I, I did a year in investment banking, left when I did three and a half years in a consulting company. Uh, those are formative, I learned a lot about stakeholder management. I traveled a lot as a very, like under 25, um, gave me a ton of opportunity to interact with some very senior stakeholders and different mm. companies at an age that, you know, was, I was still a junior at the time and, and, and grew up over time. Um, and then I got really like, I, I, I actually had friends in my consulting firm that I would um, try and start businesses with on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all like you know there were like a few entrepreneurial ones of us and we would like chat about ideas and we would like have this idea and try and start it and then we'd get so busy on a project and then we would um you know not really get any momentum on our idea until we were back on the bench and then this like cycle of over three and a half years was clearly not going to work and so I went to corporate life and essentially looked for like a nine-to-five job that didn't take up 
my entire being and entire life and didn't mm -hmm. require me to travel four days a week and um, worked at BP, then worked at Spotless and just did a bunch of like well-paid jobs that I knew my heart wasn't going to be there forever and, then, mm. and, and it was fine, but it gave me the time. So like it really like gave me an opportunity to get my nights back it gave me an opportunity to get my weekends back um and with that time I started my first e-commerce business that I started with my sister um and then after that we sold it started my first tech startup which was neighbor flavor and never actually launched um and then just being in business and technology and you know around the space and around the startup world for six or seven years ever since um and the transition wasn't hard but it actually I mean it wasn't easy but it actually wasn't that hard either um mm. you know quitting your job seems daunting but in Australia once you have a good reputation and a good enough career like you can always go back mm. like the worst case scenario of us of me at the time leaving a job and then like you know it doesn't work out after a year you can always go back it's not the end of the world mm. um and you become a more sought after like um person like empl like employee like you become a more sought after candidate because you've actually like done something more interesting than just going from one big firm to another big firm to another big firm um yeah and mr yam is two and a half years old it started as a simple idea where you could scan a qr code and see photos of your food people are visual menus are text-based they pretty much look like word documents and pdfs and um <laughs> no one wants to read stuff people want to see mm. stuff so that like that mm. was the that was the insight it was simple it was you're going on instagram in a cafe like you're looking at the menu then you're looking on instagram for photos and trying to like mm. piece together the yeah. puzzle of like what are you eating um and then we moved into ordering and payment inside the venue covid came around we did pick up and delivery and the business just continued to adapt to what our customers needed um and this year is about international expansion for us so uh, oh, of course continuing Amazing. to yeah continuing to um you know make make a big impact in australia and continue to lead the way in australia um but look to you know m do more with more with our product and more with our resources and know that we've got a really awesome product that the world needs um so yeah that's why i'm sitting on this side of the world <laughs> Fuck, Jeff, should we jump ship That's now? Awesome. Honestly, this <laughs> yeah. is just, it's just so exciting because I feel like, I don't know, like, you know, I feel like with startups, it's like you have ownership on this idea and you're married to this idea that you, know, you created with your team that clearly serves, you know, the needs of our, the community. And I, you know, I can't imagine how rewarding that would be to, you know, have built something with your own hands and, yeah, to see that growth. So, yeah, honestly, yeah. congratulations on everything so far i think it's been such Thank a you. successful story and it's really great to hear that perspective um from you as well as an asian australian it's a journey right like when you first leave corporate and you go and start something it's not it's not going to work immediately like it's mm. it's it's really rare that it just like straight out the gates um our first you know our first business neighbor flavor we got it off to a pretty good pre-launch and then we never actually launched a product at all because we um learned that the idea was like you could so the idea was you could buy home cooked food from people that lived around you and it's like illegal to do that mm. we ended up in new york for three months working with a company that was doing something similar and it wasn't going that well so we knew that there was some like critical elements to the idea that were flawed and very grateful that we didn't take the money 
that investors wanted to give us and mm. you know didn't want to to grow um but through that experience i met my two co-founders mm. so yeah. kez and adrian and myself have been working together for six years now misty i'm only two and a half years old but the three of us have been friends and have built you know a couple of companies before this and that's like that's the stuff you get from the journey mm. so it's very hard to find the right people day one and like know that that person is your, you know, your co-founder and, mm. and, and knowing how to build a team. And you learn that as you go, learning how to do sales. I didn't do sales. Everyone, like every founder, you know, ends up doing sales, learning how to do marketing, learning how to, you just learn to mm. do all sorts of shit. And like, it takes time. So it's not going to mm. be like success day one, but um if you are looking to leave, I would like strongly recommend just going and working in a startup. Mm. Like if you want to go and if you want to, if you want to start something one day, then don't work in a big company because you're not going to learn anything about what you need to do. Yeah. But our first 10, 20, 30, 40 team members, like what, what, what are they going to do? They're going to go and start their own businesses one day. And they would have been there from the start and they would have seen how we did it as a team. And now they've got the, the skills and the knowledge and the confidence and the resume to go do mm. it. Like if we're successful, we get Miss Yum to a, um, a successful spot and they want to start something else. They've got that on their resume. Yeah. Oh my God. 100%. Oh, what is really hiring? Um... <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, always hiring. <laughs> um, I was just laughing before because you, when you were talking about you and your consulting co-workers talking about starting businesses, that is basically like every week of work we have so uh, i've got a couple group chats and we just like throw random ideas and it's like does does that make sense um and also just like working within deloitte digital we have like an end-to-end service so you have like designers and strategists up front which is where i sit but we also have devs and you can sort of like build out the entire thing end to end so i keep like throwing the idea in there like jokingly but it's like seriously actually <laughs> that sort of thing so i, I thought it was funny yeah but, you know i've had that's being um that's happened at other places as well as i'm sure of yeah but um i it's guess it's the nature mm. nature of consulting consulting is a, is very very often the place that people like it's the breeding ground for uh, a lot of successful startup hires mm. yeah I yeah think, yeah it's probably that like diversity of exposure of different stakeholders and people you work with and as you were saying like stakeholder management is like such a big thing that you you learn and you're just thrown into straight away and it's sort of this like i don't know what i'm doing but once you start picking it up you realize how important of a skill it is um, yeah. yeah and like creativity i just remember not knowing how to do anything in consulting and just like mm. always making it up oh yeah 100 percent. like just the ability to just just be want, making just one of shit these. up all just... the time uh, yeah. yeah and like look. you're like i don't know i mean i don't know what i'm doing with mr yam i'm just making it up mostly yeah <laughs> um yeah and so like that's i think a big skill that you learn doing startups uh, whether you're working in a startup or working in consulting, like you don't, the, the path that you're trying to go on is there's, there's definitely other people that have been on the same path. That's why we've got amazing, you know, venture capital investors and and, and angel investors on our team mm. to help us not make the other people's mistakes, but they don't have uh, your data points and you'll make decisions based on, mm. on what you know and, most decisions you make won't feel like one that you've made before. Yeah, 100%. Mm. And, I, and I guess like what's 
we, we sort of talked about your career journey, but it's like, what was it that drew you to the startup space? And I guess like what's currently motivating you to stay? Like, obviously you're in a high growth company and it's quite really exciting, but what are like the core things that drew you there and are keeping you there right now? Number one would be the passion. Like everyone who, every founder um, that is successful, um, every team member within a successful startup is like aligned on the vision, uh, love their customers, um, you know, aligned on where they're going. Uh, you get up and do the dumbest shit for like the worst. Like my co-founder, Andre, who's our CTO, he's, you know, the architect of our system, right? Mm. Like he built this thing um, along with the team that he hired. And um, if like someone's printer breaks on Saturday night and they're like screaming for help, he'll go and drive a new printer out to them maybe it's 20 minutes away and he'll do it. Mm. Um, and he doesn't need to do that. And, you yeah. know, it's not really his job, but like everyone's happy to pick, get their hands dirty and pick things up and just do shit, make it happen. Yeah. Um, it's very motivating. It's a very like motivating environment to work in. You only live once. You've only got this many hours of your life left. Um, what are you going to do with that time? Are you going to like spend your time working on something that you don't give it like care about mm. um and that's what i that's what got me down a lot in consulting you'd like spend so much time and so much effort on mm. something and then you just like leave it with someone else and you're like hope they do something with that and then you walk mm. out the door and they probably won't it's like what do they what do they do with that like i just spent like three months on that thing three months and i'm not gonna get back so um, yeah, I think it's this, 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 I, I'm, a, I'm addicted to this world because it's full of passionate people who, what, who are pushing, who are trying to do something different, who are like always challenging the status quo, um, who look up to other smart people. And, you know, like there's a lot of like mutual respect and love and risk and care for like other founders, um, and then for team members, like we've got 22, 23 year old team members that are like heading up divisions. Like that's phenomenal mm. to like get that level of responsibility so early and young in your career. Mm. It's actually mind blowing. And, you know, nearly every, like the average age in this team would probably be under 30. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's so you're just like a, a company full of young people running around, like making stuff happen and um doing it for a very aligned aligned reason so yeah it's just the energy the energy in startups is addictive oh my god that's so exciting oh my god i'm re honestly revaluing my choice of industry i don't think law <laughs> you're oh not even gosh. finished uni. you're not even like, time isabella <laughs> like you've got you've got so much opportunity like you don't have to go into a law firm yeah yeah oh no you know what at this point i don't think i will um yeah. after speaking to you <laughs> Um, but I don't know, it's just so cool to sit down with like a co-founder and like a CEO of like a really growing, you know, company um, and someone like you as well. I mean, I'm just curious, sister, you know, not understanding, you know, what does leadership mean to you? And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to hear as to, you know, the story behind that. Like, has there been anyone in your life who has contributed significantly to the meaning of leadership and, you know, someone who's like you looked up to um, that kind of yeah. defines your style when you, you know the day-to-day business of this company i think like all the time and um i'm consistently like trying to be a better leader and trying to 
work on my weaknesses. I feel like you, you know, you, you want to, you want to hire really smart people and then you want to get out of their way as much as possible. Um, and, you know, create, like help them understand the goal, be very, very clear on the objectives um, and then leave space for them to figure out how to get there um, and make some mistakes along the way and, and help them grow along the way as well, like as, as individuals and, and people and, and team members. Um, we've got a really unique culture at Misty Arm, I do think. Um, and one thing that I'm super passionate about is like, we should always be trying to hire people smarter than us because, mm. um, yeah, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room and I don't want to have all the answers. I want other people in the team to have more of the answers than me. Um, and that frees up your mind to think about other things. So uh, I think being, I've learned to be more empathetic than I used to be. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm fairly like blunt as a, like in my nature and I can be, um, I can just say it how it is, which isn't always the way that people want to hear things. Mm. Um, it works with some people, you know, it doesn't work with, with others and, um, Adrian and, Kerry, my two co-founders are so much more empathetic than I am. And um, I'm learning learning from them on how to better deliver some hard things and mm. um, and how to how to understand someone's inactions, right? Like most of the time, most of the time you're like, oh, why don't they do something like this? And like really often the case, the answer is probably some level of insecurity. Mm. like they feel like they don't know how they feel like they're going to fail they feel like if they do it and they fuck it up then like you're going to say something bad or you know like it's like inaction or lack of decision or not acting on decision a lot of these things don't come from someone's lack of trying or someone's lack of care it often comes from like a some level of paralyzing like insecurity and Adrian is particularly good at um, kind of unbundling that stuff and helping people become um, more confident if you hire smart people and you help them become more confident mm. then you'll get then you'll get the ultimate most out of them mm. no that's awesome I, I yeah. think personally it's um I'm the complete opposite I've been trying to learn how to say things as they are a bit more it's sort of like a bit of feedback that i've gone from work sometimes it's just i hedge things i i consider people's feelings a bit too much we have like a a personality quiz at work it's like it's similar to the the 16 types but we've developed four yeah yeah so we've got our own internal one and there's like four archetypes and i'm the one it's called the integrator it's like you care about everyone's feelings and you want like everyone to collaborate and it's like you want this like fun working culture and it's like you every person in leadership is called a driver (laughs) and they essentially just get shit done they just like don't care i'm like pushing i'm kicking through walls to like create a path that sort of thing so like i'm trying to learn those qualities a bit more because i think that you have to wear lots of different hats like i think the ability to put throw down different cards in different situations is really good so um i'm, I'm always, i think though yeah. that like i really think you need both right like mm, like carrie is the carrie is the integrator in our team and she's my co-founder and like i need her um adrian is probably like partial a mix of two and um 
yeah, you need people. You, it's not just like slap down a direction and hope people follow you. Like, I think so much of good leadership is coaching and mentoring and like helping mm. someone, helping the person become more confident. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm. how do you get them to do their best work day in, day out? Um, remove the blockers that are like knowledge base etc like i need more training and development and x like people always go to that stuff it's like often not the point yeah. so like oh i need more training in this and i need more that it's like that's not the that's honestly most of the time not the real blocker most of the time the real blocker is in your head mm. it's like i know what i need to do and i'm not doing it but like why am i not doing it because i can't I don't, i'm too scared to pick up the phone and call someone about something hard I'm like mm. too scared to do this. So like, I don't want to hear what they have to say. So like, you know, often it's psychological blockers as mm. opposed to like knowledge based. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious about that. Like, do you think because you are working more in a startup and there's this high degree of ownership that this feeds into this mentality a little bit more, because I, I know sometimes at work, if I do make a mistake, I'm relatively shielded in a way. It's like, yes, I screwed up, um, but I have, directors and partners and people who can like essentially like put out the fire but when you're in a smaller team and a smaller company if you make a mistake it could lead have some like a pretty big ripple effect across the organization like do you think that leads into the mentalities of some people and why they're sometimes afraid of course partially it's like they don't want to make a mistake so it always the blame or the buck stops with me at the end of the day like mm. um and it's something that Adrian preaches a lot. It's like, well, it's not really anyone else's fault. It's always ours. So like, what did we not do or what did we do mm. um, to land that person in a position that they did? And most mistakes are like easily recoverable from, like they're not catastrophic, right? Like most things are mm. not catastrophic and most things we can learn from. Mm. Um, yeah, so of course it's like a bit of a fear of making a mistake, but that's mostly based on like fear of like not letting your team down fill up fear of like yeah reporting back something bad or whatever um but yeah that's all like cultural you have to have a culture of making a few mistakes is good 100 yeah. percent. um just to yeah. sort of move to a slightly different topic away from leadership yeah. like something we talk about um quite often and we've spoken to um, Keithy Ravi, um, who's founder of diverse, diverse women in law is this idea of the bamboo ceiling. And it's that stereotype that's often used to describe the inability for Asian people to essentially take up executive roles and, and leadership roles due to this supposed lack of capabilities in a, in a lot of ways. And like, have you ever experienced any discrimination that's rooted in this idea, um, along your career journey? I don't really think so. And, um, I know there's a lot of talk of it and um, I know that there's a whole bunch of like reasons why that might be true. Like, of course you look at, you know, the ASX board and like you look at like the ASX leadership team and it's easy to deduct that, um, that that is the case. But I wonder how much of it is internal versus external pressures. Like mm. I think there's a lot more pressure in, in, in Asian families of like women being the home carer and like women being the the person that stays at home when like the, the family has kids. Um, yeah. And I think that that's like a more a barrier than like what 
the people at work are saying and doing. Like you're opting out basically. Like if you take a backseat and you take like a part-time job or like you don't go for promotions because you don't want to travel um, or you won't pick up your family and move to Hong Kong because that's where the opportunity is. Like if you don't see the opportunities that are available to you because you have a family and you feel like you have, you are the one that needs to be the more responsible person that sacrifices their career for family, then like you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so I think it's like, I think it is more about the kind of the structural role of a female in a Asian family, more so than like what the people at work are stopping you from doing or allowing you to do. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I mean, yeah, people opt out. Ever... Like all of my friends, you know, all of my friends, like they have kids and then they're looking for a place with good maternity leave. I'm like, yeah, cool. You mm. know, like that's not me. I don't want to do that. I'm not looking for a place with like good maternity leave. Um, mm. I'll figure, I'll figure out my own maternity leave. Um, mm. And I'll probably just take my kids to wherever that I want to take them. Um, and my parents were, they moved us around when I was a kid and it wasn't always like the funnest thing to do, but it taught me a lot and made me adaptable and kids are adaptable. They get on, they, they get on with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's, that's quite interesting to hear. Cause I feel like, yeah, when you talk about the bamboo ceiling, it's always about the external pressures and it's always about, you know, something happening to us um, and someone stopping us from, achieving whatever it is that we want to achieve but yeah I've, I've never thought about it in the perspective of you know our own internal pressures and how I don't want to put the blame on us because obviously you know there is always a degree of um, external barriers but you know this idea of having these implicit pressures imposed upon Asian women in particular about being the home carer um, that I guess would I guess subconsciously impede mm. your own progress yeah it's um, like why do you have to choose it's like you know that's like yeah like I think I grew up because when I was very young we lived in Singapore I had two helpers as I was growing up it's very cost effective there so my mom was working the entire time that I was growing up and being a total boss because she could like she had help she had one person looking after the home one person looking after the kids she dropped us off and picked us up from school every day she did all of that stuff but like she still lived her life and did her things in Australia it's super hard like you don't have help you kind of rely on your grandparents like I think the lack of like accessibility of help mm-hmm. and how expensive childcare is and how you can only get your kid into childcare like one day a week or two days a week is absolutely mm-hmm. bonkers so I think like and that is unfortunately the prime years of your career like the years that you're meant to stop and have kids are the years that you should be crushing your career yeah so then you're choosing like I I, I'm 33 like I now have to decide that you know am I choosing a career or am I choosing um being a being a, a parent uh and what am I going to do if I choose my career like leave my kids yeah. with my grandparents every day is kind of the only option like I think the infrastructure around helping a woman stay in work and like mm. absolutely prioritize their career is broken Oh, agreed. And it's just, it just sucks because as women, you know, if you do want to be parents and mothers, it, there is almost like a biological time clock you're working with, you know, and it's, you're right, like, you know, when you're in your 30s, because yeah, I feel like 20s, most of the time, we're still fumbling around, we're still trying to work out what we, who we are, what we want to do. 
Um, so I can imagine by the time you're 30, you figure, you're figuring it out and you're actually settled into an industry or something that you actually want to do with the rest of your life. But then yeah. at that point, it's like, fuck, like, if I want to be, if I want to be mother, like, I've, I have limits and I have time limits and that really sucks. Yeah. Um, I think COVID yeah. is actually going to be like one of the best things that's ever happened to like women in work because more more places like more jobs are going work from home yeah, and, um, for sure. and and more companies are becoming flexible about the kinds of roles that need to be in the office and the kinds of roles that just don't and actually have never needed to be in the office and like COVID made them realize that those jobs did not need to be in the office mm. yeah. so if you can stay home and like you've got a one-year-old and you can work from home then like you're good right mm. And if you you and your partner are both working from home three days a week, um, you can swap, like, if you're on a meeting, they're not on a meeting. If they're on a meeting, you're not on a meeting and you have a toddler, you can, like, manage it that way. Um, and then two days a week, you put them in childcare and then you can actually go into the office. Like, just, like, flexibility on what work and life is as a parent is absolutely messed up in mm. in Australia. And I think that is the reason that women don't chase their dreams. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You sort of see this happening or coming into fruition in, in places like Japan where, you know, women are just choosing their careers because there's, a, there's this history of discrimination because Japanese companies and institutions think that as soon as women have children, like, they're not going to come back. So they don't hire you, they don't promote you. And so, like, um, a lot of the time there's this concept called the M-curve which is just the participation of women in work. And around that 30 mark, it just dips and it dips and then slightly comes back as the children get older. And so now what that leads to is like, you know, declining population growth and like no young person is interested in starting a family because they just know that they're going to be discriminated against. And that's just not, a, I don't think that's a fair choice to impose on people. Like you, we should find the balance to allow people to have both a family and to work and, and crush it if that's what they want. Like it's, it shouldn't be a binary. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 COVID's been amazing for mm, like, 100%. you know, all of that stuff, like changing the way people work forever, for sure, 100%. absolutely. Like, it's yeah, people's minds are open to like, oh, well, that job doesn't need to be here. I mean, I don't know, maybe not. It wasn't here for a year, like, so does it really need to be here? Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that stuff stays, and I'm hoping that uh, women feel like they can do both and childcare becomes more accessible and um all of that stuff so yeah i think bamboo ceilings are i've never ever felt like a role was given to someone else and not me because i'm asian or female that's good i mean i got like promoted like so many so many times when i was in consulting like three twice twice in three times in three and a half years or like something like that like i did i did three different jobs in three and a half years um i was like an analyst and then a consultant and then a senior consultant when i left after three and a half years um and all of those times they promoted me before i thought i was ready Mm. to be promoted they're like you'll be fine you're ready go for it you'll be fine you know so like I had lots of guys that were like encouraging me to do more than what I thought I could do and just like throwing me in the deep end and knowing that I would be fine. Um, So I had plenty of guys that were my advocates, never once felt like I was, it was a problem that I was Asian 
or a female. Yeah, yeah so no, that's good I think there's so many advantages as well, like just on the side. I mean, people people like think you're smart or something. Like you just have this like advantage kind of. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> you're Asian. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is true. I think there's sometimes... I mean, those... why do you think Deloitte has like all these Asian people? Oh, the, when you look at the juniors... It's, it's it's like half Asians, but it's yeah. Like, you look at the grad. You look at the graduate group. You're like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't half Asian applicants. Yeah, yeah, but it's like that's what it is. Like Asian people work hard. Like this, like it is a stereotype, but it is rooted in a lot of truth. Like Asian people work hard. They they're motivated. They want to fucking crush work. Like I'm not surprised. It's mostly like half Asians, and then like hopefully. So how is that bad? That's it's like not bad. It's not like, bad. And then 20 years yeah. later, like you look at the partner group. Hopefully you'll see a nice spread of Asian people there as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, you can't, like, and and that is, and they're, they're not choosing, like, they do have quotas for guys and girls, but I don't believe they have quotas for, like, white people and Asian people, right? Like, I don't think Deloitte's got a, I, I believe that they're graduate groups. I'm sure they have a quota for, like, an equal mix of guys and girls, but not um, not race. No, and I, I, I think don't think that, so. But that. But they they know the formula to success and they keep doing it for a reason because like it works Mm. um so yeah i almost feel like it's a competitive advantage as opposed to like a disadvantage i love it yeah i like this route i like this new perspective on it yeah 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 Yeah, like why not it's like so good it's so good being that like people just assume that you're like hardworking and smart like (laughs) (laughs) that's not a bad that's not a bad way to be no it's not a bad assumption at all no i do love that i'm curious though like what is it like in the startup space you know i I feel like it's interesting i think because you have the perspective of working you know at a big kind of corporation but obviously you know doing your own thing now you know i guess two questions right like what does this current startup space look like in terms of diversity and representation and what are your thoughts on the future of the startup space you know both in australia and globally um when it comes to asian representation and whether or not you think there'll be significant changes over the next couple of decades and yeah i think that i think that the big challenge in the startup world is actually um so no it's not it's not perfect either um of course it's more progressive than like a hundred year old law firm right like the mm. startup space is the startup space is naturally progressive there's a lot of conversation about this stuff firms are working very hard to get female founders um you know on their on their in their portfolio um they they're proud of the female founders that they back there's specific events and specific boot camps and specific like things just for female founders there's a lot of like intent um, I think that the biggest challenge to overcome is that most startups have a technology lens, right? Like you're building a technology product, you're mm. building, a, uh, you're coding something, and there's a massive gap in female tech engineers. Like just straight up, no one like female engineers, massive problem. Yeah. So what happens? So like think back to like the start when you're starting something and you're trying to build something scrappy and something's like average and you don't have a money and you don't have a team, you're looking for developer friends who can help you. Women, like fe- like females, like if you think about your high school friends and your high school girlfriends, like you're not going to find a developer in and amongst your high school girlfriends. If you're a guy and you have an idea, you're going to find a developer likely 
amongst your high school guy friends. Mm. Someone's gone and done computer science, someone's gone, gone and done engineering. So the friendship circle of like early 20s mm. um, and the like types of people you're hanging around with in the early days, like the college the college startup, so like the startup that was born, like Facebook out of a college dorm, for example, think about who they're hanging out with, like where's the idea starting, who they're hanging out with. And it's very difficult as a female at 20 something when you don't know anyone who can build something for you, like your idea doesn't go anywhere because you don't have money, you don't have clout and you don't have someone to build it. I know that the problem in technology is really, really messed up. So we need way more chicks doing computer science in school. We need way more chicks graduating with a computer science degree. We need way more chicks building like software and hardware. And then things will really start to change and really start to shift. Because otherwise, the alternative is you don't have a developer friend because you're a female and you went to a private girls high school. So you don't have any friends from high school that like, you know, can build software. So then if you have wealthy parents, you take the idea to an agency agencies are the worst they you know you you, mm. you spend 100 grand like building a product that they they like they take you into this room and they like make you feel like your idea is the best thing in the world and they like charge you six thousand dollars for this like brainstorming process and they like put all the shit on the walls like none of that's real mm. none of that's like that's not what you need in the early days right so you just need to like build something shit scrappy build something hacky if you can avoid to to code if you can avoid coding you can avoid coding but you still need something sometimes um and if if there was 50 50 percent of women graduating from computer science as as guys the whole tech world will change mm. so i like the problem is so like in the infancy and it's not yeah. like the money is not there there's just not enough women in it yeah yeah, yeah. like and, like, and yeah. then and and then you always find the the the, the chick is the the, the the operations person or the marketing person, and doesn't want to get their hands dirty. Like, um, I lead product at Misty. I'm, I'm like the closest to the engineers of the founders aside from our CTO. So like, it's my responsibility along with Andres to build the best product. Um, I chat to the engineers all the time. We do a daily stand up. I try and be there at least once or twice a week with all of them they talk about stuff i half don't understand but like i try i really like we try i try so hard to understand what they're doing and it's 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 our superpower um it's our superpower that adrian understands code that carrie like mostly understands what's going on like you know don't be scared of tech and code like just get into it and like jump into it and learn otherwise you'll never build a software product um so yeah i think the problem is like, it's not about the money. The money is there. I never once felt like an investor didn't want to talk to me because I was a female. I never felt like they didn't want to take me seriously because I was, like, Asian. It's not like that. Mm. It's, like, just just this, just the lack of women that try. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And it's because they don't have a friend. Like, I know that sounds so dumb, mm. but, like, like, you don't know anyone to help you. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely get that, though, because it was, like, just take this podcast, for example, I had a random idea to do it last year and it was just like, I knew exactly who to call straight away. Obviously, Isabella like picked up the phone. Hey, let's do this right now. Because like you understand who they are. You have this like interpersonal relationship that's built with them. And it's like, it just, if 
today I had some wacky idea. I could call someone who was a dev. Like that's exactly sort of the like the scenario that you're describing. Like, is there anything? Yeah. What's being done to sort of address this? I know there's a lot of um, um, sort of STEM programs like Robo Gals and sort of promoting STEM in, in females. But like, does it need to go to a younger level? Like, I've heard in China people start coding when they're like five or six or something like that. Like, does that need yeah. to come here? Like, is that is that the sort of change we need to make here? Yeah, I, I think I this is this is actually like a massive passion of mine and something I would love to spend some a lot of time on after Miss Tiam whenever that whenever that is. Mm. Um, I think if there was like one one impact that I could make on on the trajectory of females in general, it would it would be like figuring out how to mesh. Um, females with technology earlier in life and and more often um but i do think that there are some things we can do with the 20 and 30 year olds as well like not all is lost right like i didn't learn anything about technology pretty much until i was like late 20s and then i was you know i can use like simple stuff and builders and like you can do simple stuff but everyone can everyone who's like born with an iphone can mess around on apps and mm. you know figure out an email system like you can figure out mailchimp you're not you're you're tech savvy mm. um yeah. but like learning about learning about architecture learning what like learning learning what the internet is learning what a data warehouse looks like learning what the difference between back end and front end are like le- just learning things i feel like i didn't learn that stuff until I really started on Misty Yum and I just intentionally got very close to the developers and asked them questions that they don't need to, like, there's no reason to tell me I'm not going to help them, but I just ask anyway. Like, I yeah. can't help them, right? Like, even if they told me the answer, I'm not going to be able to, like, jam with them. Yeah. Yeah. I just ask because I'm curious. Yeah. So I think there's, like, a pro, I think there's definitely room in the market for, like, a, instead of, instead of the, the entrepreneur courses, being about like accounting and finance and legal and and like how to start a company like the if you want to get into technology the program should be like how the software work mm. Mm. so like i think and there's room for that there's definitely room for that you got like 25 year olds 30 year olds you know that 25 to 30 age bracket into a six month program on like how software works and meeting meeting developers like I think that stuff has impact yeah for sure and like you know even you know bringing it back home like I feel like like I'm in my early 20s and I'm like fucked I missed the ship on coding when yeah like in reality like I could literally learn this like whenever I wanted to if I wanted to um and yeah it's just accessibility like if I wanted to learn how to start a code like where do I start like is it like Khan Academy is it Code Academy I don't know it, it feels a little bit um empty and a bit scary kind of just like yeah 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 so so actually like i i um so when carrie and i were starting neighbor flavor we hit a we hit a wall with that company and we were like oh we just don't know what to do and you know like every day we kind of like got a whiteboard out and tried to figure out all these different like pivots we could make because the business was illegal like you couldn't cook from your home and sell your food um and so we tried to come up with ways that we could salvage 
like not salvage but like pivot the company and none of them we liked we were like don't like any of the stuff like would not work on any of the stuff do not want to spend our life so then an opportunity came up to go on like a coding retreat um and it was like 10 days in bali and oh my god it was like pretty much all girls except like two guys and you were coding run... in bali yeah it was run by oh, that sounds lit oh fun. my god i know i know right so i was like Cares, let's go and do this this sounds like fucking fun like <laughs> like, like the business at the moment sucks we don't know what we're doing we yeah. can't like we can't roll around on the floor for another 10 days like pretending to like be thinking of ideas to pivot the business let's just take a break um yeah. and lucky kez and i had really good jobs before so we had like you know plenty of savings like we knew even if we didn't work for a year we would be fine um so we spent i don't know what it was like two grand or something on this um coding retreat i can find you the name of it it's run by a chick called tina um and on the retreat i like learned the most basic html and css Mm. we learned we learned to build a website um i built this like snack box idea so you could like have a subscription where you can like send ingredients to someone's home and they can like bake banana bread with their kids um and and i met one really like amazing mentor there who was like teaching us how to code um and he left an impression on me like he made me feel like oh I can actually do this like I'm actually good at this um I um I think you know like those were some of them and and we had just the best time so fun (laughs) a bunch of girls from all around the world hanging out like we were left we were like those are the best 10 days of our lives um and all the food was beautiful it was like fresh ingredients like we lived in a but like we lived in this big house so all the all the rooms were in the same place as we learned so we didn't have to go anywhere. Yep. So it's like a like a big resort with like seven or eight rooms, and then a pool, and like it was just amazing. It's like, man, this is this is how you get girls into coding. Like, just send For them sure. send them to <laughs> Bali on a ten day retreat. Like, <laughs> like, if the government wants to like change, if the government wants to like change the STEM problem, that's what you need to do. Like, don't don't ask like extroverted girls to sit behind code academy and like sit there by themselves it's so oh my- boring yes that's that's <laughs> honestly that's my we'll barrier i'm just like we'll so I-, I wouldn't learn how to code but like fuck me the idea of just like sitting behind a computer <sighs> and like trying to learn this shit that is not nah, sound appealing nah. nah and 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 like the mentors there like when you got stuck you could put your hand up they'd come around and talk you yes like, like, it's just, it, I mean, some of it was, and it was so fun. Like, we met these people from the US that we caught up with them later on, like, a little, um, you know, like, reunion. Yeah, it's just, anyway, so that, okay. that was, like, kind okay. of the I want to hit you up and get the details of this retreat because this sounds yeah. amazing. And I'm so yeah. keen, to, I'd be so keen to go after COVID <laughs> and when COVID permits. Yeah. Wow, that is, that is how you learn. That is how you learn, you know, and obviously everyone's different, but I feel like as an extrovert in particular, like, it, it's, it's nice to feel as if something like coding, which I would particularly view as a very lonely task, can be fun and can be wrapped up in this environment where you have mentors and you feel supported and feel like coding goes somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're going to spend your money on something, like you might as well spend your money on going to Bali and doing it. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like the complete opposite of how I've learned. I've just been like 
staring <laughs> at a computer like on the floor wanting to like crawl my eyeballs out because like and then you, you stare at your code for like hours and it's just a single comma that you missed and you just want to like stick a gun in your mouth oh it's it's terrible but yeah that's, I'm gonna... and, and that's like it's nuts that's and 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 i think like um that was a great it was a great start mm. i didn't like you do you do leave thinking you're gonna keep going and you don't really <laughs> like everyone's like yeah we're gonna keep going yeah, we're gonna yeah. start a little facebook group and we're gonna help each other i never i never did it again like i knew i wasn't going to though like Carrie and I did that as a break. We needed a break. We were exhausted. Yeah. We just wanted to like live our life, go on a holiday and like learn something interesting. Like we didn't we were never intending on becoming yeah. like professionals. Yeah. Um uh, and we got what we wanted out of it. Yeah. Um that's awesome. But but now I actually do have um I really, really want to be a great coach. Like I really want to be a great engineer. Um oh. and I've and made it very clear to like our lead engineers that they're going to teach me how to code when, <laughs> when we, at some point in, in my life, like obviously not now, but, but yeah. in the future, uh, I'm going to have kids, you know? I'm going to have kids and I'm going to have kids and be a very good developer. That's what I'm going to I love, I love it. I love it. And I, and I guess like maybe this is in the future, like you're the head engineer of Mr. Yum, but I guess maybe what do you see as the, the future of Mr. Yum? Like is there scope potential to go beyond the hospital industry? Like what are your plans as much as you can tell us, obviously? Of course. Um, not not a huge amount outside of hospitality and entertainment. Mm. So like we still, we do stadiums, uh, events, festivals, gigs, live shows, like um it's actually a fun job like you just hang out in bars and restaurants and um and gigs like that is a fun industry to be in Mm. so not much outside of that but global stuff for sure so yeah you know building the team overseas um and growing the team in australia and continuing to be the most innovative and forward-thinking product um and yeah i mean we don't have any end plans at the moment Mm. like we have a long journey ahead of us and we're just having we're having fun so we want to keep going that's awesome yeah i i remember um texting maddie a couple weeks ago and she's like oh like what's what's happening she's like oh i'm at scoopy i'm just eating bingsu i was like what type of joke what type of joke is this (laughs) staring back at my computer i was making slides <laughs> in the middle of the day, I was like, "Oh, it's sad. it does sound." It was in a photo shoot. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Wow. I love that. Wow. Actually, no, I do wow. have a quick funny question though. What are your thoughts? And I keep seeing it pop up everywhere on the rocket ship emoji <laughs> in people's names on LinkedIn. It's just a personal thing I'm curious about. I don't. I don't really like mind the emojis. Um, <laughs> I've wanted to put like a cartwheel one next mm. to mine a few times. I've been like a little bit tempted to do that. Um, but I really don't like mm. the like um, thought leader. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, the thought. Oh, thought leader makes me want to. No, nah, no. Nah, that's enough for me. Right, well, that's, that's your opinion. Fuck, <laughs> ah, like. Like, who told you that? Who told you that? Who are you leading? I saw a guy recently, to be unnamed, he, like, made a motivational poster of himself. (laughs) And it was 
was like, oh. and it was literally that like um you, you miss a hundred percent the shots you don't take like he'd <laughs> said the original quote and it was like one of these photos where he was like stroking his chin type situation <laughs> i yeah I, speaker I, speaker um thought leader disruptor disruptor <laughs> I can't do, you know, I can't do. Um, that, that, so that, that's probably more the stuff. That yeah. I, LinkedIn's gotten, yeah, it's it, so, it's just so weird. It's gotten to an interesting like, place. I'm so curious at like how the products transform and how people are using it now. It's, um, it's yeah, different. it's really yeah. different. It's, I feel like it's gone so active. Yeah, in the last couple of it years. really has. Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely growing. It's growing like in, in engagement for sure. Yeah. Um, Microsoft are weirdly doing a good job. <laughs> I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting I wasn't expecting them to crush LinkedIn, but their um the LinkedIn recruiter um tool is the best tool in the link in the recruiter market by a long shot. Mm. Oh really? uh, yeah. So like LinkedIn makes money as a recruiter as a recruitment tool. So like companies pay a lot of money to like have recruiter seats. Um, oh and use it to like gain access to candidates on LinkedIn. So I think because it's like the place where if you have a good profile, you get more opportunities, then it kind of like yeah. feel, fuels the network a little bit. I mean, outside of LinkedIn, it's really just Twitter, right? Like Twitter and Instagram. I mean. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, yeah. Anyways, that's no, no that's an interesting <laughs> um, diversion and enough. We do love our thought leaders in the LinkedIn community. Thought leaders. <laughs> Yeah, transformational speaker. Oh, stop. <laughs> no. Uh, I just can't. I don't even know what to say to people like that. Yeah. I'm like, Give him a thumbs up. I'm like, I'm like oh, man. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It's all, it's all good. Before we wrap up, was there anything else you'd like to, to say, Kim, or was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Nothing that we haven't talked about, but yeah, like, you know, if I had to give my younger self some advice, um, just you've got no risk when you're young, mm. you know, like you got no kids, um, you've got no mortgage. And when you're free like that, you don't have any financial pressure or financial commitments, then take the freedom to like try something new and um yeah try something try something different whatever leads you closer to your goals wow amazing that is a great piece of advice to to end this episode on um honestly (laughs) once again kim thank you so so much for your time i've genuinely learned so much to the point where i'm like i said i'm reevaluating my life choices um (laughs) and i've genuinely it's been amazing to actually see you know you so passionate about mr yum and the things you're creating and I'm so excited to see and watch you grow and the company grow as well and see what you do in the future. Um, So once again, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a delight to meet you and actually have this conversation on time. Thank you. Yeah, and if if anyone wants to have a look, we've always got like plenty of roles going at Misty Arm. So just jump on our website, go on our careers page. And if you don't see something that's like your the right role, you can, we've got like an expression of interest role that you can just, put whatever you want in there and we'll be on the system and if we have something we'll reach out amazing thanks so much kim and uh, thank you for tuning in everybody if you enjoy this podcast show us a bit of love by clicking the subscribe or follow button we really appreciate that otherwise we'll catch you guys on the next one see you later